Hello, everybody, and welcome to Take a Knee. I appreciate you joining me here today. I hope you're having a great day. All right. Well, today, I'm going to have some fun. We're going to talk about various things, but first thing I wanted to start with is looking at a legend. You like looking at legends? They have maps for everything, don't they? They have maps for how many people are in a certain part of the country, what certain people believe in certain zones of the country, so on and so forth. But this legend I'm looking at right here is pretty interesting, or maybe even comical. The top of it is squirrel to human ratio by state. So what you can do is if it's really super dark red, then there are quite a few more. There's, let's see here, it says 21 to 1 squirrel to humans. And on the other side is green, where there are absolutely no squirrels. I'll tell you where that is here in just a minute. And then it goes from pink to darker pink and all the way up to deep red. So what you would imagine probably is in the great Northeast and Midwest, the Northern Midwest, so like Montana and down to Idaho and New Mexico, Missouri, North and South Dakota, huge amounts of squirrel compared to humans. So if you ever go out there, you're going to see squirrels everywhere. I'll come back to that because I've got a neat little story that goes with that. And then California, apparently not as many squirrels, light on the squirrels, Texas, light on the squirrels. And then believe it or not, here on the whole East Coast, there's, uh, I think it's like five to one when it comes to squirrels to human ratio. In my home state of Michigan, I'm actually surprised that the squirrel rate is kind of low, but that makes sense, doesn't it? Because where you have the higher population areas, you're going to drive those squirrel out. Minnesota looks like they're doing pretty good. Minnesota, as I said, Missouri, Nebraska, and Kansas are really good. Quite a few squirrel to humans. And so right down the Mississippi Valley, so if you follow the Mississippi Valley from Minnesota straight on down to Louisiana, you'll find that there's a lot more squirrel than on the East Coast. You think I'm crazy, aren't you? No problem. Let's take a look at the East Coast here. We've got West Virginia is better, is more populated from squirrel to human than quite a few states on the East Coast. In fact, it is the only one in the whole Midwest there from Michigan down to Florida in the Southeast. West Virginia. Makes sense. A lot of mountains, a lot of places where squirrel can have a great time. You got to go north to Vermont. Vermont looks like it's pretty good. And the outlier on the whole East Coast is Maine. Maine is upwards of 20 to 1 squirrel to humans. Wow. So you got a lot of squirrel out there in North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Colorado. And uh, But I wanted to tell you a quick story about this, which was kind of what kicked this off in me. The story of Lewis and Clark, and of course, you've probably read about Lewis and Clark, and if you haven't, you really should. An amazing story, as Jefferson asks Meriwether Lewis, and I forgot Clark's first name, it'll come to me, but he asks them to go and map the new Louisiana Purchase, but specifically to try to find a navigable way to the West Coast so that people, so they could begin populating, of course, which it ended up doing. But this was a kind of a virgin tour to go and check all of this out. So what is amazing is they had to go upriver the whole way until they got there to Washington State. So an incredible journey. But what is amazing, if you read, of all the different adventures that they had, 
They were documenting species. They were to document every kind of animal that they discovered. They were to document and map the river itself and the Indians that they encountered, all of the different things that they would document, but especially those landmarks so that as people would then move to occupy this new portion of America, they would have landmarks in order to guide them. Because they would go up the river, but then they would have these excursions where they would go to the left and right of the river to explore. And that's where the adventures really came in, where when they got to the Sioux Indians, the Lakota Sioux, they discovered they woke up one morning and all their horses were gone. And they had discovered that the Sioux had taken them all. But when they talked to the Sioux and said, why'd you do that? These are our horses. They said, oh, well, you weren't using them, so we figured we'd just take them. So what they discovered about their culture was that taking and thieving, basically, if you didn't keep your hands on something the whole time, then they felt like culturally that it was okay to just take it. And so a lot of things came up missing. So clearly they didn't stick around there very long and they learned something valuable about that particular tribe in their cultural ways. But here's something funny regarding squirrels, because you're wondering how I'm going to work squirrels into Lewis and Clark. Okay, here you go. So they're going upriver. And so what they would have to do is take this huge raft, this huge concocted boat that they would use to take upriver, which would have all of their supplies, everything that they would have. And generally, because it's going upriver, they couldn't really paddle. They would have to pull it. And then sometimes they would actually have to take it up on land and roll it on log. I mean, you can't imagine how hard that would have been. But one of these particular times, I don't even know exactly where it was, but I know it was in an area where there were a lot of plains and trees that would grow around the Missouri River as they were going up this river. And so they came around a bend, and you can read about this in its entirety. It's pretty cool. They came around the bend, and they saw, looking out as far as they could see, splashing going through the river. They were splashing. It was just like rocks were falling out of the sky, but only on this part of the river. And it was just completely crazy as it was splashing from one side of the river to the next. And of course, the river was very, very broad. Not sure how wide it was at that particular place, but let's just assume it was several hundred yards wide. And so they looked back and forth and they looked ahead and they saw all of this splashing. And of course, totally freaked them out when they came up to it to see what was going on. And then it dawned on what it was. You're not going to believe what it was. Guess what it was? Squirrels. Squirrels by the hundreds and thousands were going across the Missouri River all at the same time. That would have just blown my mind. It would have blown yours too. Can you imagine it? So they were coming around, and as they got closer, they began to realize that it's squirrel. And they were, basically the way they had documented it was that they were migrating. And so moving from one area to the next. So can you imagine that? That they would have had no natural enemies or predators to thin them out the way they did. And of course, just like a lot of animals do, they know that there are strength in numbers when they travel together. So, wow, what an amazing thing that's documented by Lewis and Clark. So, must have been a much larger population of squirrels in that part of the world than there are today. Not that I've been moaning the fact. I love the little rascals, but I don't love them that much when they get into your attic 
or if they start chewing on some of your valuables or sneaking in and making a mess of things. But that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about our topic today. I wanted to read just something of encouragement to us all today. You know, what's going on in the world as far as the last days? Uh, A lot of talk about that. And we've noticed that I'm not sure that every church is experiencing that, but I'm certainly going to make note of it here is that our numbers are beginning to increase and expand because I think there's a lot of uncertainty out there. I think that the threat of global war and World War III is imminent. There's a sense of caution and maybe fear. And I will tell you this, that I believe that a lot of this is being manufactured on purpose for obvious reasons, desperation and trying to control the narrative to get people to think a certain way or to forget certain things, maybe to forget about how bad inflation is or to forget about one person's crimes as opposed to another. I don't know. It's what a lot of people are saying. But to get to the point of what's going on in the world right now as far as the second coming of Christ, which I've been getting some questions regarding. So I had lunch with a friend today, and we got to talking about this. And I told him, I said, you know, from what I understand and have read from Scripture, that there are a lot of things that really have to line up before we start to see things from Daniel, Paul's comments in First and Second Thessalonians, of course, the book of Revelation. And then, of course, as I mentioned last week, Matthew 24, where Jesus is questioned regarding when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming again? Which is interesting that they knew enough that Jesus was going to go away. They didn't know how he was going to go away, but they were very interested in his second coming and when that was going to be. And of course, Jesus immediately begins talking about apocalyptic language. Some people believe that what Jesus was talking about is what would happen in 70 AD with the destruction of the temple and no longer the existence of Israel, or really Judah at the time, to exist as a collected group of people. So that's all done. And yet, still, Jesus is using language that is not consistent with 70 AD and what happened there. No, no, clearly he's talking about the end of time. And of course, Daniel speaks about this. Joel speaks about this in that time that the moon would turn to blood and there would be definitely an apocalyptic sense that the stars would fall out of the sky. I mean, there is language that they talk about the last days or the day of the Lord, the day when all of this will be wrapped up. So again, there's certain things that have to happen. And I wanted to just mention those briefly. Well, first of all, we know that Paul says that this man of perdition has to come. John refers to him as the Antichrist. I'm not sure whether Paul uses the word Antichrist or not. You're catching me on that one. So anyway, just my thoughts on that today to just say if and when it does happen, It will probably happen fast. And if we are looking at a tribulation of seven years, well, folks, seven years, as we know now, as you've grown older, seven years can go by pretty fast, especially when you think in terms of raptures and tribulations and difficulties and one world governments. Of course, that's another thing that I forgot to mention. We're going to need to have a one world government that's not just talked about, but is actually implemented. And then all of this chaos is going to be brought under the peace of this man of lawlessness who will then declare himself as 
God. So just my take on it, folks. All I want to say about it is, is you shouldn't be worried. You shouldn't be concerned. You should just continue to serve, continue to love Jesus. This may just be a faint. It wouldn't be the first time in history where we have seen things happening that would make us think that the end is near. But I have to admit, I think we can all admit, that now so many things have been checked off the box that it's probably about as clear an avenue as we've ever had in history than we have right now. But what is interesting, the last thing I want to say about it is that there are those who know that this is true. There are those who read the New Testament. They've read the book of Revelation, and these are not people that are believers. And so they can manipulate this information in such a way as to control mankind. In fact, it makes you wonder that if even using the threat of war and all that's taking place in the Mideast is the very thing that draws everyone to say, you know what, we've had enough. Let's just be one world. Let's just all sing Kumbaya and forget about being an American, forget about being Chinese, forget about being Russian, and let's just be one big world government ruled by one person who will bring us peace. A little scary, but that seems to be the way it's going to happen. And uh, we're not quite there yet. So in the meantime, you need to serve and love Jesus. You need to get busy sharing the gospel. Just this past week, we've been really celebrating this because it's so amazing. We had a dodgeball night led by our youth pastor and several of our staff members. And over 135 kids came together to have fun and, and gifts and prizes were given away. And then the gospel was shared and 42 young people raised their hands to give their lives to Christ. That is incredible. Great percentage of those young people who have given their lives to Christ. And of those young people, how many are going to grow up to be pastors and, and leaders and influence the world with their faith, their newfound faith? Lord, what will begin inside them is something incredible. And I'm excited for them. And I hope you're excited because this is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. When he comes again, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find the church doing what the church is called to do? Will we be faithful with the talents that we have been given? You know, shall we double our talents or do we bury our talents? Well, let's not bury them. Let's not bury what God has given us. Let's use it. Let's serve and make Christ known in every aspect of our life, in every way that we can do it. If you're there and you work in a desk job or you travel or you connect with people by phone, there are many different wonderful ways that you can influence and change the world just by a simple smile by an offering to pay for someone's meal, by bringing their trash in from the road, by offering to help rake their yard. As I said, many different things that we can do by showing the love of Christ in very simple ways that open the door for us to share the gospel. We can do it and we shouldn't forget it. In fact, that's part of the enemy's plan is to get us so distracted with fear about pandemics and fear about world war and fear about our safety that we forget about being the church. We forget about being who God has called us to be. I said recently there out of the book of Romans, as Paul makes it clear in Romans chapter 14, he says, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. And if we add to that formula, the sharing of the gospel, then clearly just focusing on meat and drink is not going to get the job done. But focusing on righteousness, being right with you, focusing on the peace in our heart and the joy of the Lord, that'll motivate us. That'll motivate us to be the church that is constantly sharing, is constantly believing for God to do 
amazing, wonderful things, even in the most dark areas. And so wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you are that salt. You are that light. It's interesting, you know, people can hijack that. I remember years ago when an administration talked about the thousand points of light. And I remember at the time being so enamored by that, only to learn that I'm not sure that's exactly what they meant, but that's just between me and you. But we're called to be the light of the world. The real light, of course, is Christ. The real light is the Holy Spirit in us, the hope of glory in the communication of the love of God to every soul that we come in contact with. And so I want to finish today by just saying, look, be encouraged. Be filled with faith. Know that God is in charge, that nothing that is happening in world history, nothing that is happening in this world is outside the bounds of God's wonderful control and care. So I want to pray for you right now in Jesus' name. Let's do it. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's listening today. Bless them and keep them. Make your face shine upon them. Pour your spirit upon them. Lord, let them be encouraged. Let them be fruitful. Lord, let them share their faith everywhere they go, even in the simplest of ways. But Lord, may we all just not be prayerless, but to be prayer warriors. Lord, we're called to affect what's happening all across the world with just a simple, Lord, please come, shine your light, bring revelation, bring truth, bring freedom, bring peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, folks. We'll see you next time.